running a company or something, for example, like you you know you wouldn't wing it and like you know not track how much money you have or something like that. Like that's like a very obvious thing that like if it's important, you know, you should have that. So I think it's a similar case here where you want to be well informed and make these decisions with the right um, you know information and know what the trade offs you're making are like. Hey, if I eat this pizza, like what? How's it? You know, what's that going to do? And um, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, but like you should be aware of that and kind of have the full information and the history of that and stuff. So, so I think overall, like you know, having the information and access to it in the right context and, and awareness is is almost always a good thing. Hey, welcome to this week's episode of the Human Enhancement Podcast. This is your host Jeffrey Wu, and. I think this is going to be a really fun one because I'm having my friend Anand Sharma, who is an entrepreneur and founder and CEO of, I think, probably the most popular quantified self app out there today, an app called Gyroscope. And I found it personally to be one of the best apps at visualizing all of my quantified self data by biometrics, what I'm doing all the, all the time, where I'm traveling, uh, a really clean service, and I think really setting a bar for UI for not just quantified self or biohacking apps, but also just apps in general. So excited to have you on the program. Yeah, thank you for having me. Yeah, I, I think the the design aspect really carries through. So I remember first seeing you post about your own personal dashboard, you know, like your, your handle, like April Zero, like this is like, yeah, four or five years ago. And it looked like something out of Iron Man or a Marvel superhero movie around like your, your dashboard of all your metrics. Where did that inspiration come from? Or like, like how, where did that polish, sleekness? I mean, I, I think in some ways you've kind of set the bar on what quantified self or biometric app should look like. I think, uh, I think we had a conversation about how, you know, certain companies or certain apps kind of stealing or borrowing your concepts and, and putting their products. I'm curious to hear, you know, where did this inspiration come from? Yeah, so I it, that was a fun project. Um, it was about two or three months to like build that whole thing, um, but it was also in some ways like a ten-year process. Like April zero, when that was launched as a site, was you know my metrics and stuff in a in a dashboard. But I'd been working on it for uh, about ten years. It was like basically that website has just been my blog for since since forever. Um, and it'd be like art things I would write or photos I would post and stuff. And every few years I'd kind of redesign it and it was sort of always evolving, but, um, and so I kind of had like ideas like for years of like, here, you know, here's what I'm gonna do for the next one. Here's like the potential design styles and stuff. Um, but one of the biggest bottlenecks there that I always found was like, I didn't really have time to like, I want it to be a really cool website and like reflect who I am and like, you know, as a designer and stuff like your personal website sort of says a lot about you, but um, I also didn't have time to spend like 20, 30 hours a week, like writing this post and content and like populating it. Um, and so, uh, but like I had ideas for like the style, like what it should feel like. And like, you know, those kind of more of a reflection of like myself and what I was like, you know, a personal style at the time. Um, but then the, it kind of came together when I realized like there was all this like passive data and stuff coming in that could be automated and you tie that with like, here's like what my you know personal brand or style should kind of look like. Um, and a lot, a lot of techniques and stuff that I've been working on for a long time, but kind of all finally just came together. Um, but yeah, it was like a fun, fun two or three month exploration. And um, that, that was, I think, especially fun because it wasn't a, 
a company or a product or anything. It was just me like messing around with my site. I wasn't even sure whether it would be like a website I launch or just like a personal thing that I had for myself. Um, so I could kind of just do whatever and not, not care too much about like things like usability or, um, you know, scaling and stuff. Um, and yes, I wasn't sure what people would think or if anyone would even get it, but um, I decided to put it up one day and, and apparently a lot of people liked it or found it intriguing and saw it on the internet. Um, and a lot of things kind of came from that. I think that's probably when you, when you discovered it as well. Um, but yeah, I think, you know, there was like this vision of like, here's what the future should be, or like, here's, you know, the, the type of data we should have about our bodies and all these cool things that like, you know, we should have by now. And there's, um, but yeah, I think there was this big disconnect between like, actually like none of that had even like started to materialize. Um, so wanted to kind of close that gap and sort of think like 10 years from now, like, you know, what is, what are we going to all be using? Like, what is this going to look like? What kind of like information are we going to have about our blood levels and how is it going to be real time and stuff? Yeah, um, absolutely. I think that's something that we share a common vision of the future. It just makes sense that we'll have a dashboard of all our key biometrics. So you know, for the audience out there who might not be as up to speed on different biometrics that are, are important to track, um, what have you found with yourself or with gyroscope users are the most popular metrics that they're tracking? Um, what do you see popular today? What do you see, you know, potentially popular or important down the line? Mm -hmm. It's yeah, well, it's been very interesting to see like the evolution evolution over the last few years and how um, much more easy a lot of these things are to track and how they've scaled from like a few people have them to like everyone um, can easily get them. So like, for example, continuous heart rate monitoring now is just like so easy and like everyone's like got one on their wrist. Um, whereas like when, when, when we started, that was any, that, that was not a thing. Um, like with April zero, I was actually like checking my heart rate, like with my phone camera, like three or four times a day and like manually sleeping that was considered like a lot of measurements. Um, so it's really cool to see like how rapidly that's changed um, and it's continuing to, to do so. I think there's a bit of difference here in like what I sort of personally track myself or have access to and then what's like mainstream or like can be sort of done in a product. So there were like some more obscure things that I was tracking years ago that are still not really like out. Like for example, I was into rock climbing for a while and I would like, annotate like which route I did and what color it was and stuff like that and like once we launched this as like a product for people like that was just like dropped off because it's such a like, <laughs> random thing um <laughs> but like we had like automatic gym tracking instead where it just track like if you go to any gym that's like a four square location then that shows so that's like a bit simpler but a lot more practical um some of the stuff that's new in the last year or so that we're really excited about um I think one of the biggest ones is heart rate variability um, that's like, we're, we're just starting to get a lot of that coming in now. Um, and I think that that's going to have a lot more meaning and exploration over the next, next few years as it becomes like available to everyone, kind of like heart rate was a few years ago. I think the main difference here is like, there's a lot more meaning to it. Whereas when everyone had like heart rate data, it was, there's interesting stuff there of how, you know, when it's when you're resting, like what it is, but less, like there's not as much detail to it. Um, but yeah, and pers personally, I, I've been tracking a lot of stuff. I haven't been doing, like, my blood levels and stuff as much lately, um, especially just while traveling and stuff. It's a bit harder, but that's something for a while I was doing pretty constantly and I think is a really useful thing. Um, but that's also something that's, like, not very easily accessible to most people right now and not 
not commonly done, which I see changing in the next few years as well. Um, and uh, mood tracking is another thing that we were um, we've been focusing more on lately, which was something that we found is not really tracked right now. Like a lot of these are like very physical metrics, how many steps you've done or how many hours you slept, but like more fuzzy things like how you feel or how much energy you have, which are actually things you might want to optimize. We're sort of still uncaptured right now. So that's some of the kind of stuff that we've been focusing on building more trackers for getting a baseline and um, automating that process more. Yeah. I mean, I think there's the input side, but I think the visualization part of JavaScript is probably the most, one of the most beautiful apps that are just out there. You know, I, I like using it just to kind of visualize the routes that I've run or like what my commutes kind of look like, or when you're traveling, like what streets have you sort of traversed? Um, what popular visualizations have people, you know, been really excited about? I know that, you know, you guys almost, you know, at sort of the end of the year, you guys publish a big book. You could, you know, order a book of all your data of the last year and have this, essentially this detailed, you know, Iron Man, Iron Man style visualization of everything you've done. Uh, yeah. What, what's popular in terms of things that people want visualized? Yeah, there, there's a few of them. I mean, I think at the end of the day, like we have all this raw data, but taking that and making it into something you can just look at and like you understand without having a lot of training or, or you know, research. And um, that's like, that's the hard part, right? And if we can do that and you like, you see the pattern, then it, then like you get excited about it. Um, so a lot of the work we're doing is like uncovering that and like lining that up for you. So you can just like you know, go through it and it's already arranged in the right way. Um, a lot of the, I guess the, some of the most popular stuff that, that we do is, is more spatial things, right? Like some maps, I think are a really easy one to understand. I think humans are just pretty wired to, you know, if, if you'd rather see a map or like a list of JSON, like latitude, longitude, it's like one of them is like way, uh, you know, more meaningful, even though it's kind of the same exact data. Um, and, and so like visualizing things in that way, um, is, is pretty powerful. So, so we rely a lot on lo locations and we were, act that's actually one of our big focuses for this year is, um, making that whole process a lot more streamlined and doing our own location tracking and building that. But, um, yeah, since, since we've started one of the, one of the more popular features has been, um, you know, giving people a history of where, where they've been, what they've been doing, where, um, the kind of places that they go to and how they travel between them. Just, you know, what, what are you doing with your life? Um, and like being able to, to visualize that and look back at it and kind of, um, have better awareness of that. Um, and so some of that's graphs, you know, if you see your, your weight or your steps or other metrics, um, but a big part of what we do, which I think is different than a lot of companies and makes these a lot more meaningful is adding more context around it. So, you know, if you see your heart rate and it goes like way up, you're like, it's hard to know what that means. Maybe you're having a heart attack or, Hey, if you see that you're at the gym, Hey, that's actually good. Like you want it to be high, right? So um, the context I think matters a lot, rather than just like, hey, it's a nice, nice like graph. So um, having having that information and kind of being able to show a whole story in each of these visualizations, rather than just like you know, one data point. That, yeah. What data sources are you pulling in from? Mm -hmm. We so we pull a lot of stuff. I mean, it depends on you know what the person has, but uh, for myself or someone who's really set up the whole app. Um, it's it's across a bunch of different things. So like I said, pla the places that you go to, where you are in the real world is a big part of it and how you got there. Um, so like I walked home today. Um, 
everything that's like in Apple Health or available on your phone will pull in. Um, so that includes things like your steps and your heart rate if you have it. Now that includes like resting heart rate, heart rate variability, uh, stuff about like your heart because uh, that's pretty easy to passively track. Um, sleep, um, and then workouts is a popular one. So if you go running or biking or to the gym or swimming or you know, there's lots of different types of workouts. Um, and that's like a very popular thing to track already for many years. So a lot of people have that. So that's something we'll load in. Um, and then depending on what your interest, so some people have like blood pressure or their blood glucose measurements or even blood ketones or you know, more, more of these detailed things. That's not as mainstream, but, um, but some people have that, so you can see it. Um, and sleep, sleep is another really big thing that we focus on. Uh, we started by just pulling that in from all the other sleep trackers that were out there. Um, then we kind of realized that none of them are very good. So we ended up building our own sleep tracking that people can use also if you don't have another one. Um, and so between all of those, there's, oh, and then compute what you do on your computer is another big part of it. So, you know, you're, you're I, for most people, I think you're either sleeping or you're going out somewhere or you're on your computer or some combination of those. Um, so at this point we've got like a pretty good coverage of, you know, what you're doing throughout the day and, um, you know, how that affects you and uh, being able to show all that on a timeline and, you know, figure out, um, you know, what you've been doing, uh, for the last week or month or year and, um, both look at any individual day. If you want to just look up the logs of, you know, what happened on, uh, June 7th or some random day or see that in aggregate to see what the pattern is. How much have you been spending too much time on Facebook instead of working or are you getting enough sleep or is it an un like a low unhealthy amount that you should fix? So these things are a lot easier to see, like understand once you just have the data and you can look back at it. Absolutely. Like we are just, basically excreting out data everywhere. Like what are we, what, what kind of websites we're browsing? Are we on our email client doing something perhaps productive? Are we on Facebook? Are we on Twitter? You know, we're checking in on Instagram and collating it all into one beautiful spot on gyroscope seems to be, you know, a, a nice way at, at the minimum that you're already dumping all this information everywhere. Might as well have it in an aggregated nice spot to you can actually look at it holistically. There, yeah, there's a lot of data out there and you know, companies have been doing this for a long time. Um, I guess when, when I first started the April Zero, that was around the time where like the whole NSA thing was uh, was was happening. Now now it's it's you know the Facebook and the Russians and stuff. But um, you know the, tracking data and stuff like that has been going on for a long time. But it's always kind of been done by companies or bigger organizations for you know making them money. I don't think it's ever really been used like to help people directly or improve their health or something. But it's very powerful. So I think. Yeah, you know, the stuff is already there, and, and so if you can leverage it to actually, you know, help yourself, then I think that's very practical. Yeah, do you have any personal stories or user stories on how they've been able to help themselves through 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 data? Yeah, we have we have quite a few. I mean, I think you know ultimately, this is just a tool. Like, it's not actually you know sending signals into your body and changing something. Like, the only impact is if it motivates you into doing you know realizing something and changing your behavior. Um, so, but, but there's, there's a lot of stories of that. We, we, people write in every day about how it's helping them, or we have some stories that we put on our blog. Um, I think there's still way more impact we can have. Um, I personally, it's been really useful to me to have, you know, these tools and warnings and stuff. And, um, especially while running a startup, which, you know, is, is 
pretty stressful and, and unhealthy at times. And like being how to balance that with not um, with you know taking care of your body is something I've sometimes struggled with. And you know, often if I'm just working or stressed out, it's very easy to to be unhealthy and how, how to balance that. So how do you know when you're unhealthy? Like your weight creeps up, your heart rate availability goes down, your heart rate goes up. I mean, like what are the warning signs yeah, for you? Yeah, all of those. I mean, weight is a big one. Like, um, you know, we're uh, weight and like getting sick, both of those. I think like every time we launch a new feature for a while, I would just get sick afterwards because it was like a one or two week like sprint of, um, you know, not resting enough. And then um, so that, that wasn't great. Um, and yeah, like gaining, gaining weight, um, was another kind of common thing after, after, uh, you know, losing, skipping sleep or not eating healthy while you're, while you're just like in work mode and just order pizza or something like that. If you, if you do that for too long in a row, then that, that really adds up. So, um, you know, having the, those tools and dashboards to warn you of that when, when you need to know about it rather than like five years later, you realize, and it's like, oh, I wish, you know, I'd done something differently. We want to avoid that. Um. And, and, and yeah, a lot, a lot of other people use it as motivation for, you know, workouts or weight loss. Those are really some of the, the bigger ones because that data is just so ubiquitous. A lot of people have access to that. I think in the next few years, we'll see a lot more stuff around sleep, you know, improving your, your mental health as much as your physical health, um, you know, your mood and stuff like that. I think there's a lot more, more room for improvement there. Um, and that's a lot less figured out of like what that looks like, like losing 10 pounds is a very obvious thing. You can sort of see that on your scale, but, um, you know, I think there's some more like mental health equivalents that we're going to discover and want to, want to help people yeah. achieve. So you're integrated with different scale companies, right? So they're just like automatically passively imported in the, the weight, yeah. right? Yeah. Yeah. If you have a, like a Fitbit scale or a, I guess they used to be called Withings and now it's uh, Nokia, um, those scales, it's pretty cool. You just step on it and it checks your weight and your body fat. Um, and that shows up. And so a lot of people, yeah, they have like measurements every day. So when, when you're doing that kind of continuous monitoring, it's a lot harder to like, Oh, how did I gain 20 pounds? Cause you know, you'll see it over time. That's like one integration um, I don't have on my gyroscope. I'm going to look into it. Cause I mean, I think I've been lucky to not really have to worry about weight management as a problem, but it sounds like a, but you know, if I'm working out, like I do, yeah. like see fluctuations right now. Like, you know, I'm I'm, tr I'm I'm like running a lot these days, and I was trying to lift a lot and eating keto. And it's interesting. So I want to kind of track my body fat percentage, uh, and, and weight. It's easy to justify like weight, like oh, it's probably muscles. So <laughs> that's fine. But then if you see the actual body fat percentage, then that kind of help, uh, helps with that. But yeah, I I actually don't even have that myself anymore because I've just been traveling around so much. So now I just check my weight every time I go to the gym. Um, so there's actually a little, little less data there. Um, but yeah, ha having that, it's definitely, I, I would recommend it as like a pretty easy, like integration that just like gives you way more like history about yourself. So you mentioned sleep a lot and I'm going to go to an audience question from Mr. Fresh 2017 from Reddit. And you mentioned about building your own sleep, uh, algorithm. So he wants to ask, how does the sleep AI actually work? Does it simply just calculate phone downtime during the hour? One is normally asleep. So, so yeah, basically, the way we get sleep, if if so, the, there's a lot of sleep trackers out there that will save to Apple Health, and if you're using one of those, then we'll just we'll reuse that data, um, and we'll just show that. Um, but if you don't have that, then we'll try to calculate it ourselves, um, and we, and we call that sleep AI. But basically, it works by 
using all the different data types that we have, not just your phone or steps, um, but that's one of the one of them. Um, and basically, if you look at like the graph of your day and you have enough types of data, it's very obvious like when you're asleep, like your heart rate goes down, your steps are lower, non-zero, like you might be moving around during the night and stuff, but um, but there's it's much less than like when you're awake, um, you're probably not on your computer, et cetera. So, so we, we actually, we have like three or four different signals that we use at the same time um, to try to most accurately figure out when you're asleep. Um, it's not perfect, uh, but it's much better than like not having that history. And then what we do is in the morning, we show that to you and we let you like adjust it. So for me, it's never like 100% correct of, hey, it just automatically figured out. But it takes me about three seconds to like fiddle with it and like make sure that's exactly like when I slept um, and hit save. And, and that's like I've tried all the different sleep trackers out there. This is really just like the simplest, easiest way for me to, to track that every day. It's pretty right. foolproof. Especially without um, having a hardware piece, right? I mean... Yeah. I mean, so I do have a heart, like, so yeah, I don't have like a dedicated sleep tracker, which used to be kind of a popular device to buy, but yeah, I've got like an Apple watch now that I wear and a phone and all these other like, you know, expensive devices, um, which get the data. So, you know, th they can be used for sleep tracking too. Um, and actually, actually that brings, that does bring me to one of the important points, which is like wearing the watch at night. Um, I know a lot, a lot of people, a lot of our users even like don't do that or take it off when they're sleeping, which is um, actually probably like the most important time where you want to have like your heart rate monitoring on. Um, that's when you get like the HRV numbers and that's when your resting heart rate's more, most useful. Um, and then that'll make our sleep tracking like actually more accurate than if it was just looking at your phone. So, so that, that, you know, people, if you wear the ideal thing that I do is I just wear my Apple watch, go to sleep, wake up and I check the app and it like shows me when I was asleep. Um, so that's, that's how we've done it for the last few years. I've, a lot of users have just built up a history of, of that automatic sleep tracking. And then we can look at, you know, how long you slept, when was your at, when did you go to sleep, wake up, how that changes over time. Um, that's stuff's super obvious there. You, you probably know a lot more about sleep than I do and like how important it is and how much, you know, how much you should sleep and stuff. But you know, th that's, that's a very important thing. Everyone sleeps, uh, that I know of. So, um, that. um, but so the exciting, and so that's what we, how we've been doing it for the last few years. The exciting thing that's coming up now is we're starting to get this, uh, heart rate variability data also at night, um, from the Apple watch, you, like usually four or five samples. If you just wear it at night and you're, I have a proper fit. Um, and, and that until now we've been using resting heart rate as a as kind of a signal for how, how deep you're sleeping and stuff. But I think the heart rate variability is like even better. Um, and so that's kind of how one of the ways we're using to figure out the next morning, like, was it good sleep? Are you recovered? Should you sleep more? Does, you know, um, is that enough? What, what really happened there? And kind of give you, give you more details about that. So right now people can just do that manually and we, we just show you like what your heart rate variability was. In the future we'll probably do more analysis around that and like try to tell people what it means because there's still a lot of confusion about that. Um, but that, that's kind of a, one of the exciting things that we're, yeah, you know, I think that's going to help a lot of people sleep a lot better, get more rest, be be more recovered. Yeah, heart rate variability is going to be one of these metrics where you can have like a whole you know podcast episode all about nerding about you know all the data and, and science behind HRV. But I think just um, you know I think we talked about in our just offline conversations that it's actually pretty material how fast it changes, right? Like a super hard workout, you're not sleeping super well. It's one of those counterintuitive things. So you want the lower the variability is actually the worst 
you're recovered. So it's kind of, and it, it's actually pretty material. I'm, I'm sure that you probably have seen it when you're measuring, wearing your Apple Watch when you sleep, that like a good night's sleep, it's, and, and, and a bad night's sleep, it's like, it's real. It's not like, uh, like the data is kind of noisy. It's like, it's pretty material. No, and, and it, sometimes it takes a few days to get there. Like if I haven't slept well, like I need like two or three, four days of good sleep to finally get like the HRV back to like the good levels and stuff. So it's been really interesting. Yeah. It's these like counterintuitive measurements I think are mo really the most important to, to track because if it's like, what are your steps today? You probably have an idea of how much you walked, but like what's going on inside your heart while you were asleep. Like that's, you, you probably don't remember that one. Right. So, um, I think that's, that's where the tracking really becomes important. Well, I think it's just like personally cool to actually just have a kind of a record of what have you done all day long. I think we don't, I think we all have collected like pretty bad memories of what we all mm -hmm. do. Like I have no idea where I was seven days ago. I mean, I could guess it's probably in the office at my house or at the gym <laughs> or something. Right. But like, there's like the little restaurants that you go to or, you know, little, you know, cafes where you meet a friend for like a coffee there are kind of like nice you know memorable uh memories that i think are, are worth like so sometimes reviewing um any other like delightful features that are like, perhaps unintuitive that you've discovered as you've been building gyroscope that you know users have mentioned or things that you've built that surprised you and how people use it yeah i mean i think our biggest focus has definitely been around health and the stuff we get we we get with the mindset of you know how can we eventually use this to help people be more healthy but there's a lot of stuff that's just like interesting or cool um that's like a part of your life right that may or not might be like health related but like we we think you should still have that history and track and it's part of who you are so we just added music tracking for example so you can see you know what what songs you listen to each day and you know what albums you're doing listening to at a particular time in your life and stuff and um i'm sure you know, you could figure out some sort of health implications of that, of, you know, when you're sad, you maybe listen to this or that. Um, but in general, that's just, that's just like a more personal thing of like, you know, who, who are you as a person? Like, how does that separate you from another human? And like, what makes you unique? And like, what's your life story? And like, um, you know, how do we, we want to be able to capture that, um, you know, make it more personalized. Um, yeah. Even, even, you know, whether you're a yet, a Yanny or a Laurel, <laughs> um, I feel like is a big part I just of discovered it. that meme today. What are you? I only hear I only hear Laurel. Laurel, are yeah. You a Laurel? That's what they're saying. Are you a Yanny? Yeah. No. Definitely. Okay. <laughs> Anyways, for people that aren't on the internet all the time, there's this like audio clip. It's like very similar to like the the blue black dress and the white gold dress meme from like a year ago. Uh, people can't, they play a clip and people either hear Yanny or they hear Laurel, apparently. I only can hear Laurel. I'm trying to hear Yanny. I can't hear yeah, it. Yeah, I'm fascinated by this kind of stuff because, well, A, like half of our users are Yanny. So we posted in our like uh, pro pro group and like 50 people are like, yeah, well, you're Yanny. I'm like, oh, this is weird. Um, but our whole team here is like fully Laurel. So I'm, it's just very confusing. <laughs> um, but it's also interesting just like, you know, people perceive things in different ways. Like our different users have different types of lives or ways they see things or hear things and stuff. Um, and so how do, how do we build for like all of them? Um, which is tricky because, you know, this started originally as like just something I built for myself and like tracking the things that I do. Um, it's like scaling that out to different types of data. Yeah, I, mean, I think in certain ways you're just, uh, 
offering like a palette of options and people sort of gravitate toward what, you know, makes them, you know, what, what excites them, what motivates them. And then they can sort of use it as, as they see fit. So it's like very much like a, a utility where, you know, people use electricity in multiple different ways and people can use stratoscope in multiple different ways. I'm going to move to another audience question. Legion of seven on Twitter asks, what's the best way to experiment with nootropics? I would say just in general, um, you know, have, having like a baseline and, and benchmark is probably good for doing any type of study. Um, and so when I messed, played around with these things, I would, for example, track like my productivity and see that. But like seeing the actual numbers is, is a lot more useful than like, oh, I, I think I felt better. It's like very hard to quantify that. Um, and so having like a some sort of test and like a more scientific method to determine these things, which is part of what we try to provide with our platform. It's not like a very official part of it yet, but you know, you can, if you can measure your, how, how much you slept and your HRV during that time, or, uh, you know, how many hours you, you were able to productively work during the week or some of these other metrics, uh, how fast you can run, you know, seeing those actual numbers and how to change them and being, you know, unbiased about it's probably like a good, good approach, not just for nootropics, but for, for like any life change, um, or, you know, experimentation. No, I mean, I would agree. Uh, I, I would, I would just echo your, your, your thoughts there. Um, you know, something like your productivity tracker, you know, you're using rescue time, which just sits on your computer and, 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 and detects, are you on your email? Are you on Facebook? Are you watching YouTube videos? And I remember when I was tracking that pretty aggressively through intermittent fasting or nootropics protocols, you could actually materially see some patterns when you were in a fasted state or, you know, that, that was more obvious because I would only fast on Tuesdays. So you could kind of see uh, a productivity shift around Tuesday. Um, nootropics, depending on the type of nootropics or the different routines you're doing, um, you could detect changes in mood, for example, if you're actually tracking mood very tightly. Um, but at the end of the day, um, you know, something like gyroscope, which are actually makes it easy to collect longitudinal data, is important for any intervention. Nootropics, a new diet, a new workout. Um, if you don't have, if you don't measure it, you, you don't actually know what you're doing. Um, which actually kind of brings me into like, I, I want to be a devil's advocate here, because I think we, perhaps you know, it's from our engineering background um, that we very much care about data and visualization. But, you know, when I've talked to some elite athletes or folks in special operations, there seems to be this, like, two different schools of thought. There's the, the scientists or the engineers who are just, like, totally quantified, measuring everything. And then there's, like, the animal instinct people that are just like, oh, measure anything. I'm just going to fucking pick up a rock and just run. Um, and, I mean, that's, like... If you talk like the, the really the best of the best do a little bit of both, and I think I'm, I'm sure that you know there's there's uh, you want you you want the best of all possible uh, techniques. But I'm actually curious to, to to hear you know your responses to some of the critique or criticism. Like, hey, do you want to track everything? Is this useful? Is this just data porn? What is your response to that? Yeah, absolutely. I, that's something that comes up often, and I think there there is like a natural tendency, just like not want to track things and be free and like just um, go by your, your gut or your instinct, um, which I think in some cases is fine. Like the human body is kind of designed to go on autopilot for a while and, and survive. And um, and so I think that that gets people 
far enough. And if, you know, if you're like super healthy already or a skilled athlete or something like that, then maybe you don't even um, need to like micro optimize these things. Um, I think there's a few, few details here. One is like, what's the cost of tracking it? Um, so if, you know, every, every hour you have to like pull out Excel and like write these things down and, and, you know, it's like very disruptive to your life. Um, then that's probably not worth it. Right. Cause that's, that's a big, it's very not, not like a good use of your time. Um, but if it's like a hundred percent passive or, you know, very easy to track, then it's like, then, then that argument really goes down and it's like, well, what you should probably have some records of things if there's no no downside besides wanting to just like ignore it. Um, and then I think, you know, ba finding balance in these things is, is important. Um, so how, how do all these things go together? Right. Like if, if you're really physically healthy, but uh, you know, there's other parts of your life that maybe you're, you're neglecting. I, I think at least for myself, like, you know, some, if I'm working a lot, then maybe so there's something else that's, that's getting skipped, like my physical health or vice versa. Um, and so, so balancing all those different parts of your life, like um, I think that's like a constant challenge for for everyone. Even if you're like naturally very very healthy, maybe there's other parts that like would benefit from that that approach. So I, I wouldn't say that like there's people. Maybe there are people who has, have everything down and by instinct, but I, I would say um, you know that can be that can be useful. I mean, as like for running a company or something, for example, like. You you know you wouldn't wing it and like you know not track how much money you have or something like that like that's like a very obvious thing that like if it's important you know you should have that you're not like hundred percent making all your decisions solely based on like what some accountant says or you know just the numbers or the A B tests but like knowing those are really important like decision making factors for you to to make the correct decision like um, in context and so I think it's a similar case here where. You want to be well informed and make these decisions with the right, um, you know, information and know what the trade-offs you're making are. Like, hey, if I eat this pizza, like, what, how's that? You know, what's that going to do? And um, that doesn't mean you shouldn't do it, but like, you should be aware of that and kind of have the full information and the history of that and stuff. So, so I think overall, like, you know, having the information and access to it in the right context and, and awareness is is almost always a good thing. Um, as long as that doesn't come with like a lot of mental overhead or like, you know, time to track that and extra stuff, which I think has been the issue until now where to have all this stuff, you really had to go out of your way and it was very disruptive and stuff. So no one would really was ever able to you know, do it very passively. Yeah, no, I, I think um, that's, I think that's well said. I, I'm curious to just now go into sort of theory craft mode, um, I know you talk about HRV as an exciting feature in, in, in the immediate term that you guys can implement, but if there's, you know, blue sky, any biomarkers that you could track, regardless of how crazy it is to track right now, and assume it could be done really easily and passively, you know, what's like your, your, your dream suite of signals? Yeah. I mean, you know, the human body is just so complicated. I think we have very little uh, understanding of what's going on inside that, especially day to day, um, really being able to just monitor all of those. So I mean, some obvious ones are like your on your blood sugar and insulin and that whole process of eating. I mean, weight loss is just such, such an obvious or not weight loss, but just, you know, your weight and that whole system in yeah, general is like in general, yeah. the, the most, uh, most like obvious thing that a lot of people focus on. Um, and, and that has a lot of like health, you know, implications for, 
for your lifespan and how you feel and everything. So I think that that's probably one of the most interesting ones. Um, but everything about your brain, like every organ, I think, you know, could, could have its own little metrics and you see how you're doing. And, um, you know, the more detailed data you have about that, the more accurate this will be. And, um, you know, so I think it like in a dream world would have like different ways of, of, you know, really seeing what's going on inside your body and giving you like, um, you know, status updates or, and, and ideally you just be able to keep doing your thing. And if there's anything you ever need to know, or like a warning, but you know, something that needs attention, then you'd be able to like deal with it and see, you know, make sure it's fixed and be like, yeah, I think that would be like the dream scenario. Um, I think like passive the- mood tracking would be a, a pretty damn cool. If it just like, it, it, you could just like automatically quantitatively like just, Hey, you're 20% disgruntled, but, you know, 30% excited. And when you see someone you really like, you like it automatically just goes to 50% excited. You see a cute, you know, girl or boy, and it's like 70% excited, right? Like that could be kind of cool. Yeah. <laughs> Your brain is like just a bunch of neurotransmitters, right? So even just seeing like what those levels are and stuff like that. Um, and yeah, and the effects that has, or what parts of your brain are activated and how much, and, um, yeah, that stuff would be totally cool. I don't know if, if anyone's working on that, you'd probably know, know that they are, but <laughs> I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it'd be hard to collect that data. Like, can you do something like reading micro expressions with like a environmental surrounding you have cameras or yeah. I wonder if you just like do a blood tap into your spine and you pick up neurotransmitter levels. Yeah, yeah, I mean, you know, for, now, for now you have to manually enter that into the app of how, whether you're happy or not but well yeah i think you know we'll start to uh, you know the hrv stuff is actually interesting because that correlates pretty interest well to like your the mood levels that people are like manually tracking they're not like one-to-one but like there's a big relation there so i think over time a lot of these things that sound kind of crazy it's not exactly going to be you know what you described, but I think we'll have some metric or some way of like really going deeper into these things um, and get, getting a lot. I think like in the next five, six years, like so much stuff's going to happen. Like it's going to be really exciting. Yeah. One of the inspiring things about your company is that it's a relatively lean group of people. I mean, how do you run the business? It's like, it's, it sounds like I, I, I just want to sort of tease into the, you know, behind the curtain here. It sounds like you have a distributed team. And you sort of like became like a relative nomad for your, you know, popping around visiting your distributed team. What's your setup? I mean, can you describe your setup and, and how you decided to kind of break the norm of having, you know, an H, like, a, like a typical HQ? Yeah, we, so we started in San Francisco and had office there like briefly in the beginning. Um, but now, now the team is all distributed. Uh, we have we have three people full time that all live in different cities, um, as well as contractors who are around the world also work working on Gyroscope. Um, and yeah, we'll we'll usually just work on our own and then get together in person once in a while. Um, I hadn't done the remote thing before. Um, like our, our last company was in just we had an office in Soma, like like many startups do. But it's it's been interesting to be able to hire people from all around the world and just focus on you know who's the best at this rather than like who's who's in the area. Um, and also, I've just enjoyed it personally of being able to to travel around and, and be more flexible rather than like spend you know my whole life on this like three block radius uh, in San Francisco, which which I've done for years. Um, and and yeah, so we're pretty small. Every yeah, we, we everyone works really hard, which is, I guess is how we've probably been able to do all this stuff so far with a, with a really small team. Uh, we just hired a new, a new iOS engineer this month named Adam, 
is a third person now full time. Um, and that, that's really exciting. So we're, we're, we plan to hire a few more people and, and keep growing this year. But, um, yeah, I think, I think being, being distributed and, um, has, has let us be very like heads down and get a lot of stuff done where, uh, you know, if we were a bigger company or had an office or stuff, I think we'd probably be a bit less individually productive. Um, and, uh, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's been, it's been fun so far. I think the remote, it's, it's not what we're trying to pioneer. Like we're definitely focused on health, but I think just in general in the last few years, I would say this, the remote team has had a lot of interesting. Yeah. I'm sure there's like a lot of different pros and cons. I mean, like, I just know that, you know, when I'm sort of passively seeing your social update that you're like in Japan, like eating look really good looking sushi or like you're in New York or you're here and there. I mean, that's obviously seems like to be a big plus. I think a lot of, I know for myself, I, there's definitely a part of me that wishes I could be on like sort of a nomadic life where I'm just like visiting the world, being able to do work, get, you know, be able to pay my bills and sort of travel. Um, what uh, is that the big main upside? I mean, I mean, from a lifestyle perspective, like when you're working, you're focused when you're, but when you get, get, walk outside the door from, from out of your laptop, you get like a new environment. Does that inspire you? I'm just curious to get some of the, the you know, the, the soft fuzzy yeah, yeah. aspects of, yeah, I of, think, of your I lifestyle. Think that's one- that's one of them. I mean, I think for the company in general, it's been being able to hire people in different places and has been great. Um, for me personally, yeah, I, I enjoy being able to just go like I last month I was in Japan for about a month. Um, and it was like super productive. I'd say that's like definitely where I get most of my work done. Like I think we did like half of our. Why? Why in Japan? Uh, I don't know why. I, I have a few theories. One is that like, the different time zones is like no one online during the day to like distract me. And there's like, all your friends are back in America. So all my friends are like asleep. Um, and then, so it's like very, you know, focused and you can really get into your deep work zone. Um, uh, my other theory is around like the Omega threes from the sushi and, um, (laughs) that I'm not sure if that's actually true, but, um, but no, it's like a very productive and like inspiring like place to, to go for a little while and just like really focus on like the hard projects. Um, and that was where I built a lot of the original April zero site too. So, um, but yeah. And so, so I enjoyed that a little, a little bit. Um, and yeah, just being able to really get in the zone while, you know, when you, when you're doing, I, right now my schedule is like, I'll go to one or two different coffee shops in the area or, um, and like stay at each place for about two hours. I find it's it's very easy to like so one of the, we track steps for almost everyone and like for a lot of people it's very low it's very easy to just like be in a building all day like drive to and from work and it's like actually like super unhealthy and I was doing this for a long time too and I kind of realized like that's not that's not great um for extended, especially for extended periods of time so so now I really try to like walk somewhere in the morning like uh you know walk, keep moving every two or three hours um I think it it's both good for your body and also just like mentally, um, great. So now, now I kind of like, uh, in, in yoga, there's like this like whole concept of like one movement per breath. Um, and I kind of have a similar thing of like one, like to do item per place. So I'll like go somewhere and have like one thing I need to do. And then I'll like, you have to get it done? Otherwise I can't leave. And then, and then once that's done, you can like walk around a little bit and like grab a bite or, and then you go somewhere else and like do, do, 
thing. And, um, you know, it's kind of optimizing for a bunch of different things at the same time, both like, you know, staying healthy and, and going places as well as being productive and getting stuff done as it's like just, um, you know, exploring and like not missing out on things. Yeah. I mean, that's something that I've been thinking about a lot. How do you intertwine your career with actually being healthy, right? Like, you know, I was talking to Ben Greenfield, who's a biohacker, pseudo professional athlete guy. And, you know, he'll like do his business and then he'll do like a bunch of pull-ups and then like answer emails on a treadmill, on a walking treadmill. And then like, you know, read a book and then go into a sauna and then like do more work. And like, sounds like you've kind of incorporated that into your, your cycle, right? It's like, you have you do a code sprint, you bang out a bug or build a feature, and then walk and change the scenery, get some fresh air, get some sun. Um, oh yeah, sun's important too. Yeah, for- I, 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 I like I, I I've been wanting to figure out how to do that for us at Human, right? Like, should we have like a squat rack in the office? Should we have like some you know like because like you're right, like it's not normal to just be on your butt for eight hours straight, like. I've been, you know, we have standing desks here. We're trying to stand more, but it, but it's still like awkward in in terms of like it's weird when you just see your coworker kind of just like walk out or like start doing pushups. I guess like it's not that weird in our office anymore, where people like just roll on a foam roller or like a hang on a on an inversion table or you know do some pushups. Um, but I think we need to have like a culture where it's like okay to just do that, you know. Yeah, no, absolutely. It's probably not too weird to do that at your office, I imagine. But I'm sure for mo- most of the world, that's definitely like, not the norm. And I think that's that's unfortunate because like the default like state of you know just going to work and doing normal things is just like default unhealthy for you know. Um, and that's like sort of the typical culture that that people end up stuck with. Um, and I, so I, I'm hoping that'll like change over time as people be more aware of this stuff and tracking and seeing that is one of one of those. So we, about a year ago, we built this like uh, Slack bot for, for ourselves that like would post like a leaderboard of who's walked the most during the day and stuff. And, um, and that was really interesting to see. And I, I'm like, I think I'm hoping over time, like more and more companies will take that more seriously rather than just like, Hey, we bought you all health insurance, like have fun now go work like eight hours in your desk. Right. Like I think there's more responsibility there, both like on the company and manager side, as well as just like, people being more aware of that um it'll probably take a while to change but like yeah ideally you wouldn't just um you know it'd be like a healthy default environment where you're not like sacrificing your health to get more stuff done because i think ideally like the two don't aren't competitive like you don't have to choose between being healthy or like getting work done and like you you know company's going to do better if you like sacrifice your health like i think ideally you know, at least for me, I'm guessing you probably have a similar thing. Like you're most in the zone when you've had like a good workout and you're balanced and you're feeling like energetic. Um, and you know, that's when you have, you do your best work and have the most ideas that you can probably, you know, focus more, not when you're like stuck at your desk for like three days straight. Like that's, that's not going to be like the most high up, um, both by quality and time. So, so I think, you know, scaling that out to, to companies in the world's, um, Hopefully something will happen soon. I haven't seen too much there yet. I think the remote stuff makes it a little easier. Um, but yeah, I think that there's still a lot of room for improvement there. Yeah, because uh, I think when you're remote, there's no pressure for, I guess, the the, the drama of looking productive, right? Because I think most people, and I don't want to overgeneralize, but I, I had like a normal job back in the day. And 
I, I just know that most of the time it's not productive. You're like faking productive. So like your coworkers or boss don't think you're like not doing anything. But sometimes like there's nothing better to be doing. So like, why don't you just like actually move around a little bit, get some new ideas and bring that energy back in, right? Like, and I think a lot of our lives are this fading productivity and there's a, there's a, there's a acting or a role playing involved with that. And I think by being remote, it forces you to like, not, or it doesn't have, the, you don't have the pressure as much anymore. Yeah. Yeah. I think that definitely helps a little bit. I mean, I, you know, there's still Slack and stuff, so you can see when people are online. Um, so I think a lot of it is a cultural thing of just making that like an acceptable thing of like, if you want to go to the run, run like a run to, or to the gym or something like, great. That'll probably help you like work more and think better. So that's like encouraged. Um, yeah, absolutely. Downsides. Uh, well, actually, so one one of the, I I think like we live in like big cities, you know, or San Francisco, New York, or whatever. Everything's pretty walkable. It's like very easy to go out. But one of the other things I've noticed, like a lot of, a lot of world, and um, you know, you, it's hard, you can't just do that. Like everyone drives everywhere. It's so much easier to have like an order of magnitude lower steps because you you're only like walking around inside your building or like when you go to the gym or something. Um, so I don't know what we don't really have a good solution for that right now. Um, but that's kind of seeing like the overall trends and data is also something I've kind of noticed. Oh, that's interesting. Yeah. Like, I mean, I was going to ask you that sort of the downsides to remote stuff. I think this is more, this is a more interesting topic. I mean, like you've seen, or at least I've seen like the, like the, like the data analysis of like, okay, Cupid on like dating trends or I don't know, I guess that's like the one most obvious thing that it pops up. It sounds like you have an interesting set of data on all these people it sounds like you, there's some a pattern where if you live in a city that's walkable, you have a lot more steps than like someone living in Los Angeles where everyone drives. Like, uh, is that is that like a, like you know twenty percent more, thirty percent more? Is is do you have a metric? Yeah, I haven't exactly looked at the numbers. I'm mostly basing that just looking on like our team stats and a few other people. Um, like Madi lives in in Ottawa, and, and earlier it was like really cold there in winter, and, and all, but even otherwise, it's very like it's everything's in a car and stuff. So the steps are like way lower even when you go to the gym and stuff. Um, and I haven't really figured out a good solution for that right now. Um, but uh, yeah, I, I think, and, and some people have made their accounts public on gyroscope and stuff. So it's interesting. Like, I think there was going to be interesting stuff with like more transparency and like people sharing more of this stuff and, um, finding these long-term trends. Um, but I, I think, I think like, once you know these stats and you can like identify these issues, then people can start like actually thinking about solutions and having these conversations and like figuring out what to do about it. And stuff. I just but, wonder if you have like aggregated date, like blog posts on yeah. certain oh, things that would yeah, be cool. Right. Like I, I was just wondering. Something we want to do. Yeah. We, it's just something we haven't had much time to, to play with yet, but I think there's so much. Like, like I imagine there's so much information there, right? Like, you know, there was an election where people walking to the polls or I don't know, there's a soccer match. Is everyone just sitting on their butt for like five hours? Or like, was there like, you know, Mardi Gras with people in New Orleans like running around like crazy, right? Like, it just kind of be interesting to see um, what data you guys are pulling, what, what data you guys have. Absolutely. I mean, so we, we launched HRV a little while ago and we definitely got a lot of questions in from people like, hey, this is what I have. Like, is that good or bad or uh, you know, what, what does this mean and stuff? And, and so I, I think that's an example of where, you know, having more like at scale research and, and analysis and stuff like that will help, help the whole community 
Um, and like a lot of stuff hasn't really been figured out yet. Or people don't have a good understanding of how it compares to other people and being able to like see your friends and kind of, you know, share notes on, on some of these other stats, um, whether it's, you know, your blood levels or HRV or something like that, which people don't have as much understanding about rather than like steps or something, which I think steps now everyone's like pretty, pretty aware of and, and has and, and knows, but the, like a thousand other things now that are like unexplored still. So, so yeah, that's the, doing, doing some of that research and aggregate analysis and stuff like that. So that's something where we want to start to look more into and how these things affect other things of, you know, your mood and, and your sleep and, and your activity and, and all that stuff. And, um, and once we find trends, like how do we give that back to the community and like use that learning to like, elevate everyone Cool. I mean, as we're wrapping up here, what can we be excited for? Um, I know that you might have a special offer for the Human Enhancement Podcast listeners. So the app is uh, free for everyone in the, in the for iPhone and Android, but um, we have a pro subscription, which has a lot of more detailed stuff. Um, and so for the first few people who enter this code on the website, you can get a one month of, of pro uh, to try it out. Um, and so the, the code is free month podcast, no spaces. And just go to gyrosco.pe slash redeem, enter that in, um, and that will unlock one month of pro membership for your account. So I uh, hope to see how that helps you all. Find Anand on Twitter, social, check out Gyroscope, and we'll keep in touch and, and, and see the progress as the, the rest of the year unfolds. Thanks so much for taking the time. Thanks for having me. I know a lot of you guys have been writing in at podcast.human.com for different questions or topics or subjects that you'd like myself and our research lead, Dr. Brianna Stubbs, to cover. So let's actually make a Q&A special episode to answer any and all of your questions relating to our own personal performance protocols, our research and backgrounds as biohackers and scientists and business people to, you know, what's going on at Human? You know, what projects are we working on? What R&D are we working on? What customers? What are the feedback from the Keto Nester? Happy to address any and all questions. So shoot us an email at podcast@human.com, and we'll once we have a big bank of questions, we'll do a special episode. As always, please subscribe for future episodes of the Human Enhancement Podcast. Give us a five-star review on iTunes and send a screenshot to podcast@human.com, and we'll send you a free Sprint Mini, our acute focus nootropic. Thanks so much, and see you next time.